people think creativity, they think you need to look like me, they, you need to look a certain way, you need to do a certain thing, you've got to be this kind of out-of-the-box character. Creativity is not that. Everyone has creativity. From the moment you wake up to choose what clothes you are going to wear for the day, that takes an element of creativity. From the toothpaste, the brush, everything that you've bought, everything that you use, the way you make food, how you do anything is creativity all the time. This is episode number six of Hustle with Harmeet, and you will be listening to my conversation with Chess Fly, the creative connector, spiritual teacher, and founder of the world's first Sikh adult coloring book. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh, and I'm your host for this show. Every week, I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Chess Fly. Chess is a multidisciplinary artist who is known for creating visuals, directing and mastering the art of spiritual living. He has been recognized by the industry leaders, including BBC, as an influential teacher with his stylish approach to spirituality. Chess is a British Sikh entrepreneur that embraced the teaching of deep spirituality and yoga and now teaches well-being and mindfulness globally through classes and online digital media. Chess founded a creative agency, Create in Flow, which takes a holistic and intuitive approach towards business marketing and branding. His journey went from being a graduate in design to an award-winning creative director, receiving awards from the likes of Sony, YCN, and CBS. He has also appeared through many publications, including GQ, Huffington Post. Chess has appeared on the stage at innovative events with blue-chip directors and influential speakers delivering talks at places like Apple, Fosters & Partners, and universities, to name a few. In today's episode, Chess has shared his insights on his story behind the creative name Chess Fly. Being a Sikh with turban in UK, how he dealt with the issue of racism. Learnings from teaching kids in an orphanage in Uganda. The story behind the world's first adult Sikh coloring book. What is creativity and how we can become more creative in our lives? What is mental health and why people with mental health issues don't seek out help? How we can add productivity in our lives through meditation? What is mindfulness? And how does one practice mindfulness? The power of prayer in our lives and a lot more. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number six. Hi everyone, today's episode is going to be super creative and super exciting because we have the one and only Chess Fly in the house. Welcome to the show, Chess. Thank you, Hermit. Thank you for having me. I'm humbled and truly grateful to be on your show. Every time someone takes my name, it catches my attention because the name is a melodious word. If someone calls you by your name, your instant attention is towards that person. So I want to ask you, Chiz, I'm sure when someone calls out your name, they have your immediate attention. At the same time, they must be wondering what this name is all about. So can you please (laughs) share with us what's the story behind this sweet-sounding and creative name, Chess Fly? Okay, so in short, Chaz Fly. Let's start with the first half is Chaz. My full name is Jaren. Um, in the West here in the UK, all my life I've always been called as Chaz, whether I've been at school, in my family. It's just kind of a, an, it's a name that's just been associated to me. Um, I think it's more of a Western adoption of uh, people calling out nicknames. Um, and now I think it's more spread out to the East as well. So people have now shortened their names in many ways. Um, I prefer to be called Jaren, to be honest, but Chaz has just been something that people have recognized um, the name with me. And Fly also comes from when I started my first business. It was called Fly Design. Everyone knew me as 
Fly Design, that was my company, um, where I was doing a lot of art work for a lot of people in the music industry, in you know, uh, the club industry. I was, I was very well known in that sector. Um, and as that name evolved, Fly Design, um, people knew me as Chaz, people knew me as Fly Design. And as I separated myself from the brand and became more of a personal brand, um, naturally the words Chaz, Fly came together. And it's meaningful for me now because I always say, Massive growth is when you take leaps off a cliff and you have to, you know, grow your wings on the way down, you know. So I always think, yeah. you know, these wings is what we need in life. And, you know, I'm, I'm a massive believer of angels and all the mystics behind there. I'm always feeling that you're always looked after and wings, you know, on eagles and they soar and they're just such a, there's such a freedom. So for me, that, that connection with now the word is something even more beautiful. Fantastic. It feels so refreshing talking to you, Chase. Like all, all these points you have touched based upon, uh, I'm sure we're going to come to that in a short while. Uh, so you've been born and brought up in UK. Can you share with us what kind of family background you had and what kind of childhood it was for you while growing up? So I think I come from a family which I used to think was kind of normal, but it's not normal, you know, because I used to watch my dad doing yoga as a young age. Um, he was always doing headstands. He had half the yoga books. Um, and I assumed every father did the same because um, I didn't know different. Okay. Um, my mom, uh, when she was younger, she was a nurse and then she worked in the civil service here. Um, and, you know, we've bought, been brought up very open minded. Um, my mom and dad are, um, you know, both baptized Sikhs, but it was never forced upon us as with my siblings or myself. There was nothing to say you have to follow this path or you have to do what we do. So right. it was nice that we were able to choose our own direction, but be guided at the same time. So we still did the things um what you would do if you were of a Sikh origin, for example. You know, you'd go to the temple, you would do the the baths and the prayers and everything so you know Absolutely. so that's the kind of i grew up like that but at the same time at a young age i was always very inquisitive very um wanting to get hands on always creating i've always done everything to do with arts throughout my whole studies studied art um did my my degree in art and graphic design and communication so everything in terms of my education has always been I've been inspired by the arts or creativity. But then growing up, it was really about finding myself as a person, you know, like finding your character. You know, there was journeys of whether you were fitting in at certain periods of your life, you know. So in the UK, when I was growing up, I was probably the only uh, kid with a turban in my school. So oh. in every school that I went, I was the only person with a turban. So for me to fit in, um, I really had to um, find a voice or I had to find myself. Um, whereas, you know, some people can go inside, I decided to go outside, you know. So, again, creativ creativity was an expression for me. I, I was very much in music. I was, I've been a DJ most of my life. Um, and I hung up the headphones when I got married about six years ago. But most of my life was all to do with something to do with creativity. So in my teens, I was I was in music production and a DJ and in the arts. So it's always been very expressive in what I've done. And when it came to um, my identity, I really, I think, connected more about who I am as a individual when I got more into a spiritual practice. And when I got more into a spiritual practice, I was able to then understand what it means for me to be a Sikh. But do you remember the exact time you made up your mind, okay, no, that's it. I'm going to take up this route in my life. I want to be a creative director. I want to be an art director, right? Because traditionally what happens is a lot of people when while growing up, students while growing up, they decide to take a conventional route. Okay, I want to be an engineer, a doctor, an architect. So how did you find your route in life? So you remember the exact moment you made up your yeah, mind? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because when I was younger, um, I, you know, like most kids or, you know, most uh, children, you know, you, your ambitions and your imagination is quite wild. So you, everything's, everything's um, possible, 
You know, I wanted to be a brain surgeon at one point. You know, I I had a fascination with just wanting to be a brain surgeon. And there wasn't any limiting belief that I couldn't do it. No one said you can't do that, you know. But it wasn't one thing, you know, gave it a couple of years, you know, and the thought went out and then I moved into something else. And then I really wanted to become a car designer um, because I, you know, so that was another level of thinking, you know, when I was in my early teens. I think by the time I had got to 16 years old, I'd realized that what I really enjoy doing is just drawing and creating. And, and it was always based around design work. And I'd received by then a lot of recognition for the kind of work I was doing, um, whether it be from schools or projects or, you know, commercial things that we had to do for school as well. I, I won awards for them. So I kind of realized that actually I'm, I might be pretty good at this, um, you know. So yeah. after I realized that, I... <laughs> It, it felt nice naturally. It felt natural. I think that's a key thing. You know, I didn't feel like I was having to learn something extra because everything was um, just so easy for me to do. And then when I wanted to pursue a um, career, I guess, in graphic design, no one stopped me. Um, you know, people knew my talent in it or they knew my passion for it, at least. My parents didn't really discourage it. There might have been a few people who might have frowned upon it and this is nearly ooh, maybe about 15 years ago when I graduated um, and back then being a designer or creative person creative Asian wasn't the thing to do you know you know the typical thing your lawyer your accountant your doctor you know and which is nothing wrong with that um, but it's at the same time it wasn't for me so you know some people will say how are you going to make money from being a designer you know there's no money in that but you know if I jump a few years to where I am today it's all about that you know everything is now about video creation everything is about graphic design everything's about graphics everything's about absolutely being the most creative in what you're doing um and again not to undermine any other kind of industry it's just actually been very beneficial for me to um you know do what I do today because I've been able to create businesses without someone else um, having to do it for me. I can build a website in a couple of days. I can brand myself in one wow. hour. I can, you know, so I create the tools for myself, not knowing that actually one day I need them for myself. And I saved thousands of pounds doing it all myself. You know? So I, it's funny how things work out. And I, I guess, you know, I'm a big believer of, you know, um, destiny, but you also create your destiny. You also need to you trust yourself from what you're doing. And if you trust yourself, things will work out the way you want them, even if you don't know how they're going to work out. Right. I really uh, like uh, your approach towards life, uh, Chase, because I also believe you follow your heart, you chase your passion in life. At the same time, follow this motto, you know, make a dollar and a difference at the same time, because there's nothing better than that. (laughs) (laughs) So I I want to talk about something, Chase, particularly you mentioned a minute back, you were the only kid in your school with turban, right? Right now, also, when I'm talking to you, you are someone who has sticked to his identity and roots. So did you feel any challenges or difficulties being in your full identity? Many challenges, Robert. This is one of these, especially with today, where racism is the highlight topic. Um, I believe that, you know, when you look back at what you went through, what I went through is a lot of it was, I I had a lot of racism. I had a lot of things happen to me, um, which also made me uh, be put off my, you know, religion and identity. Um, It was easier to give up my whole approach of how I looked, you know, I, I stopped wearing a turban and I'd rather wear the cap or, you know, I created a look like that. I created, so when people see me today, I, I, wear a range of different hats you know like literally you know like apart from what i can what i can create or what i achieve i'm wearing different hats like physically you know so um but it's it's not about i i learned very early on that we shouldn't box ourselves into things that we don't understand so wearing a turban became a ritual um for um people and i didn't understand why it was so important for them I know the whole religion thing. I know the values and I knew all of that, but it wasn't resonating with me. And, you know, I, I was just happy how I was. You know, I had a trimmed beard. I was like, you know, 
us trying to fit in from an ego trying to fit in yeah. yeah it was that egocentrical part of me trying to become someone else to be liked and it's all about you know do girls like me and will friends like me will jobs you know take me on how I look um and then I went through you know several different journeys of my identity itself like even to the point where um you know, I didn't used to look like this, just for example, for your reference, you know, for the listeners, <laughs> is now I have, you know, a beard and, you know, a big, bright turban. Um, before that, you know, I was very much, I'd have um, braided hair or, you know, like, no beard on my face. And I was this kind of hipster, you know, real hipster, you know, so, um, and I would always go to jobs, um, or have, I'll have interviews for jobs, but I would never turn up to them because I would create self-sabotage before I'd even turn, you know, before I even got the job. So I'd be invited to come in and very early on in my life, I would talk myself out of the interview based on what will they think if I turn up like how I look. So most of my life, I struggled with identity because I didn't resonate with who I was I didn't re- resonate with the identity, the Sikh identity um, at the time. And um, because of that, um, you know, I, I probably set myself back in my career, but then opportunities did open up later. So, you know, when they need to open up. And by then I had really understood who I was as a person. So sometimes time is is also divine, you know, but it didn't stop me from also creating my own business because because of feeling how I did, um, thinking no one would accept me in a in a corporate design job, I took I took the initiative to open my own business. So it kind of forced wow. me into entrepreneurship because I was actually scared of what others would think. But instead, I created something that is um, successful today based on a fear. So it actually turned into a positive. Wow, fantastic, Chase. I really resonated with that because... A lot of times in our lives also, we try to walk on a path which has been digged out by others. We try to walk on a path which has been carved out by others for us. And we always try to live the image in our minds as to how the other person is perceiving me. How others are thinking I'm doing in life. How others think I'm making how much money in my life. So the moment you start living the life from your own perspective and not from the perspective of your neighbor, that's when you start the step one of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Chase, sometime back, I watched a video of yours where I saw you teaching two young kids in a school in Uganda. You want to talk about that experience? How was it uh, teaching to kids? Any learnings from that experience? Brilliant. Okay, so that was during my honeymoon where I took me and my, I took my wife on a six-week adventure around Africa. We got our backpacks and we just went where conventionally most people go on a restful honeymoon. I decided to do the opposite and go, let's let's, let's explore Africa. Why not? So we went out um, and it was off the beaten road. So, you know, daily there was a new adventure. You know, we went through so many cities around East and West Africa. Um, we, we went into Uganda and, um, you know, one day we were trekking with gorillas in the mountains and the next we were, you know, in schools, you know, and we were teaching there. We took some days out just to teach in an orphanage. So how it, it really helped us, it helped me definitely humble me and get a different perspective on life. Like it's the reason why I do a lot of what I do today when it comes to serving. Um, I always want to physically help someone i want to like you know sometimes when we talk about charities or giving to charity um you know before anyone actually receives anything you know any of the money you know a lot of it's gone in admin you know and and the child hasn't or the you know the recipient the the guy who's on the receiving end um (laughs) you don't know what they're getting so being there um to help people by teaching people, by singing with them and joining in for a few days, really, um, I think, touched me in the sense that this is a reality. You know, there's not, nothing on TV. There's, you know, these children have been abandoned by their children, so the orphans. The education system is really poor. But what was beautiful to see is that how 
lively and energetic they are. They didn't need iPads. They didn't need the tools that we have or the um, distractions that kids have today. You know, they were just right. joyous. You could see the love. And, you know, a couple of years later, I started a project, which then I put on the side until a few weeks um, back, a few months back now, which I resurrected, which I thought was a perfect time to launch it. But it all stemmed from this encounter that I had at the orphanage. Fantastic. Sometimes you get the ideas and inspiration from the places you least expect. Yes, absolutely. Suggest so checking this discussion ahead with you. I believe your book is scheduled to be launched in August this year, the yep. world's first sick adult coloring book. So where this idea of book came from, what inspired you, you know, and any challenges you faced while uh, executing this project? Yes, absolutely. So this book, I need to be very clear about what it is, because as a community, I think as the Indian or Asian community, they refer the words coloring book to children. Okay, so yeah. now a lot of science, um, say actually before I go into the science, five, four or five years ago, there was an uptrend in coloring books, adult coloring books. Okay, so co adult coloring books are very much more, they're more detailed, they're more refined, you take time, you color in between the lines, you know, so there's already children's books out there, there's already seek children coloring books. But what I wanted to do is bring something where, you know, with the amount of artists and great talents we have in communities or within our own community, I wanted to create a collaboration project where everyone comes together as a collective to create something which helps mental health. And the way coloring books, adult coloring books help mental health is by helping the individual who is coloring to relax, find that peaceful state. It helps cognitive um, function. You're building in the neurons. Um, you know, you're lowering your stress. You're that f it, it promotes focusing for longer periods. So we're introducing these tools. So adult coloring books are renownedly known for these effects, these positive effects on individuals. And what was lacking is a product like this in communities for an older generation or an adult. And it doesn't right. mean that children can't do this, but we wanted to create a solution where adults can connect to something culturally so they get into the practice of doing this on a daily basis. Now, The Sikhs was um, the first book we decided to choose uh, because naturally it's close to my heart. It's an area I know, um, and there's so much wisdom and mindfulness from the practice itself. And going forward in the series, we will be um, working with different faiths, different cultures, different communities, and create the series of different adult coloring books. Hence, the company that is founded, uh, that founded the books, is Coloring Culture. And The Seeks is the first of the volume. So what we wanted to essentially do is create a series of books which many cultures can connect with. And with every book that is bought, we will give a book back to an underfunded or underprivileged child in a remote village or a school abroad. Amazing. Yeah. So then, you know, at the same time, we're doing something like, you know, there's two things that I, I really love. And I think bringing this project into fruition has really actually given me now um, a new insight about myself. Like I was, I've been able to, um, you know, with God's grace, bring creativity and, you know, the mindfulness and meditation aspect together and be able to serve it to others in a new way, you know, at the same time, giving back to support creative education for underprivileged uh, children who don't even own a book or they don't even own a coloring book. They don't even have pencils or pens. And this is what I experienced when I was in Uganda. And I was like, there has to be, you know, there has to be a solution for this. You know, like we have, I have an abundance of pens, you know, we get free pens all the time. And right. a child, when they're, when they're given a pen, you know, and it's happened when I've been in India or Punjab or Delhi, you know, and you go into the villages and they 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 come they come at you with so much joy and love and you give them one or two things, they appreciate that because they know the value of what it is. It's not everyday occurrence. And with this, you know, they can write their future, you know. So that's the way I wanted to really set up this initiative with this book. 
That's a very fantastic initiative, Chess, because you're basically coloring the lives of underprivileged, less fortunate kids. So, Chess, I believe this is one of its kind initiative for the community, right? So, what challenges, you know, hampered your daily progress in this project? And how did people resonate with this idea when you first shared with them? It's a good question because I'm used to helping people launch businesses. I'm used to, you know, someone coming to me and saying, we have this budget. How do I market my business? How do I get out there? And I will give many strategies, different directions. Now, the challenge with this is that I started this project with zero. Before I started it, I self-funded everything, the illustrations to where they are today. And then I got to a point where I wanted to really take this to the masses and I get more people and at the same time the artists who are collaborating all get paid so I didn't ever want to go down the route of please because it's a religious book that you must do it free because that's not how we we need to work you know we need to work professionals today you know so everyone a creative person is still a valued person they still need to be paid for what they're what they're doing you know it doesn't mean that it's less valuable than the content writer or the creative director or anything else so what i wanted to do is obviously launch this project with zero funds so i went to kickstarter which is a crowd um, funding platform and i said can we as a community build you know raise the funds okay so I, I create the videos, I create the content and, um, you know, the fun side coming in. But then after the initial point of, you know, the first couple of weeks where the hype is there, it kind of plateaued. And I had yeah. to obviously then continue new updates and make more videos to encourage everyone, you know, really get involved. I think and coming to the actual question is the challenge we've had is that I find our community whether it be Sikhs or whether it be Asian or the Indian community, when it comes to donating food, donating clothes or asking for money for that, it's really easy to give. When it comes to donating for education and creativity and mental well-being, it's more of a challenge because they don't see it as a a real um, problem yet. So I think the education of trying to help the adults or trying to help a broader sense of people who have never even experienced that, even to the people who have, you know, in some of my videos, I'm very clear about this is an adult seat coloring book. But then the questions I still receive is, oh, my children would love this. That the fact that people aren't acknowledging that this is a tool for an adult and yourself Mm. as you have, and we all have mental health issues, we all do. But what we're doing is, thinking someone else has the problem, you know, and by buying a book, oh, yes, we're going to help a child. But the initiative is actually, you know what, we need help. We all need help. We all need to find ways to relax. We all need this. So what we do as a community is keep on, you know, passing on the problem to someone else. And the problem isn't someone else. The problem is us. So what I'm trying to champion, and we are slowly getting there with people who are getting involved, and and we've got the speakers talking about this now, um, is really raise you know the the mental health awareness in our community for adults because it's not a problem that is your uh, family members or your neighbors it's it's our problem because mental health isn't just this it's not a problem it's not a mental problem it's not someone who's in a mental hospital you know mental health is that if you sit at home and you're upset or you're depressed you have no confidence you're suicidal, you you don't even know how to go and apply for a job, you've got no confidence in yourself, you know, there's no power that you have. Self-deprecating, yeah. Absolutely, this is mental health, like the stories you tell yourself, you know, like you might not even believe you even have a future, you don't connect to anything. How do you get yourself out of all them conditions and then see yourself as a great human being connected, you know? So this is a part of mental health, but it's not always the the negative thing, which people think, you know, people think it's this, you know, people are not right in the head. It's not that. Right. <laughs> mental health is being content, being happy, being focused, being balanced in everything that you do. You don't take offense to something, you know, and 
you don't upset yourself about thinking about the future or the past. And, you know, these are all the kind of tools we need to have. And this is where the parts of mindfulness come in. You know, when we practice mindfulness or meditation or we start applying it to our life, that's where it matters. There's no, there's no, there's no good talking about it. There's no point yeah. just talking and telling people what they should do, read this book, do this prayer. People need to start doing the work because that's what's lacking. People are telling people what need they need to do, but they're not doing it themselves. So this is a massive issue, and to get over that hurdle will be amazing. But I'm 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 confident we'll be able to do it. At least raise that awareness. Chaz, I believe you're an inspiration to a lot of people out there because the subject which you've touched upon, you know, the mental health, that's such an ignored subject. And it's probably something which we need the most in the times of post-COVID world because a lot of people who are suffering big time in their minds, in their heads, and they don't have people to talk. They don't have their loved ones around, you know. And I believe people will see the reason, the intent, and the genuineness behind this project. Moving ahead, Chess, I, I want to talk to you something. And I believe I couldn't have asked this question to anyone else but you. So here's what I want to ask you. <laughs> How do you define creativity? And how can we become more creative in our lives? Creativity is something that everyone has. Okay, so this is the first thing I always demyth. This is one thing that I'm so grateful you even highlighted because some of these, when people think creativity, they think you need to look like me. They, you need to look a certain way. You need to do a certain thing. You've got to be this kind of out of the box character. Creative creativity is not that everyone has creativity from the moment you wake up to choose what clothes you are going to wear for the day that takes an element of creativity from the toothpaste the brush everything that you've bought everything that you use the way you make food what you how you do anything is creativity all the time okay becoming more creative is a different different topic okay there's a different uh I won't say there's a different science to it. Now, when I talk about that, when I'm talking about um, how to become more creative in a corporate sector, if you're in innovation and you want to create a new um, a strand of products or you want a new business idea or you want something which hasn't been done, how do you get there? It's about connecting. It's connecting the dots to things, okay? And connecting the dots means that you take an experience from Africa, this is a very good example. Let's say the coloring book. I took an ex ex example, an experience that I had in Africa, and I applied it to something like the adult coloring book, which is a Western concept, but then also has a mindfulness practice, which is Buddhism. Okay. So by connecting the dots of something, and then how do I, then I've actually in the three, in a triangle of dots right now. So we've got the kids that inspired me. Okay. That there's needs to be something for them. We've got the Western approach of a book, okay, a coloring book. Uh, we've got the Buddhist philosophy of mindfulness is what we are actually doing when we do the book. And then we've got another point. I've connected it to a community, right, because I'm a Sikh. So by seeing all these dots, you're able to create a project. So how do you become more creative is you need to expand what you are reading. You've got to expand what you're watching. You've got to expand who you're talking to, who you're following on Twitter, who you're following on Instagram. Don't follow the same people that everyone else is following because they're creating the same things you need to look at if you know if you want to be some of the greatest speakers or motivators or companies or whoever you want to be you need to start not only looking at them but look at other things that inspire you you know what because you can't be them you need to only be yourself the only person you can be is you so when you start just homing in on you with an expanded awareness and to everything that's happening in the world you can really start putting ideas together in a completely different way. That's one massive technique I teach all the time to people when, they, when they're trying to consider, how do I get more creative? How do I think of my ideas? How can I create business ideas? There's hundreds of tools I have, but that's one of the first principles someone needs to understand is that connecting dots is really key. And Steve Jobs swore by it. He, he, quote, he quotes that a lot. Um, it's about connecting dots. And when you understand the concept, you can really do remarkable things. Right. And as I say, Chaz, the creative adult is a child who survived. <laughs> <laughs> the so, reason is, is yeah. they see everything as innocent. You're right. You're, you're right. I just want to pick up on that point. 
The reason children are a really good reference is because before a child goes to school and learns about the work, uh, the world and the work, they are innocents. And in that innocence, they, they see the world in a completely different way. I've seen a child walk up to a TV screen and try to swipe it or touch it or press ah. something on there. And now that gives you an idea of why are there not TVs like that? Why has that innovation not happened when a child thinks it's okay to do it? You know, so it should make us start thinking, you know, like, hey, from a child's perspective who knows nothing about what can't be done, they're already demonstrating that this can be done. You know, so right. it's, it's about understanding, look, you know, where a child is un, unprogrammed. They're out of the matrix. They're not a part of this system. You know, they, they right. totally see what's possible. And what Absolutely. we start doing is we start we start boxing ourselves into everything. You know, as a creative artist, you never go and explore anything else apart from your own style. You know, you don't go and explore anything else about your own identity. You don't go and explore other religion because you think I am this one religion and therefore I can only be educated in this religion. You don't look at philosophies of Hinduism. You don't look at Buddhism. You don't look at Christianity and um, Jainism and, you know, uh, Islam. You don't look at that because you think you're this, you belong in a group. When you break down all these walls, you start saying, you know what, we're all you know, we're all in this together, right? My identity might be this. I might resonate with this, but it doesn't mean that anyone else is wrong. It doesn't mean that I can't go and look at what people are saying because there's nothing wrong with that. But when you do that, you're opening up the mind. You're looking up. That's, that is the whole thing of raising this awareness. Your self-awareness of the world completely right. changes. Fantastic. So just you talked about unboxing the box, you know. So one of my mentors he talks about the moment the child is born, a dot is born, right? So just consider and imagine a dot is there and the family members, the parents start telling you to live a life a certain way. So let's draw a line, right? Likewise, the four lines are drawn in the form of a square by parents, by friends, by society and by school teachers, right? So eventually five, six years down the line, a child who was born as a dot became boxed. <laughs> so idea oh, is to oh. idea is to unbox yourself as quickly as soon as possible and live the life outside this box. And once you start living outside this box, I believe you have got an entire universe to conquer. But you know her mate, there's an interesting point on that is sometimes a lot of creative people say we need to be outside the box. But sometimes it's the very box you actually need as well. Okay? So People try to say, I'm going to go outside the box. But that box is sometimes the foundation of what you need. So you can't totally remove that. You know, Absolutely. there's a good example. If, if I've got some time, I'd like to share it with you. There's an experiment where there's a box, okay, has a candle, it has a match, and it has a pin, okay? And the experiment is that how do you get this candle on the wall and light it, Okay. Many people will take the items out of the box and say, well, how can I melt the candle to the wall? Can I use the pin and pin the candle to the wall? Um, and they try to think of all these creative ways, essentially. But what they did is move the box to the side after they removed all the items. Now, all they're using is the items inside the box. Now, the, the, the actual outside the box thinker would pick up the box and pin that to the wall and put the candle on top. Okay, wow. so it's the very box that was the solution. Yeah, so it's not right. always about what's inside the box or what's outside the box. You need to look at actually how does it all work together. Fantastic. Uh, so it's all about uh, living life from a perspective. You know, the moment you change your perspective in life, you'll find That's solutions it, yeah. to problems in life. Right. Yeah. Thank you for putting light on that, Chase. Is there someone in your life, Chase, you look up? Uh, kind of a role model, a figure you have grown up. Okay, this is something I want to be in the creative world. This is a person I look up to. Mm, I'll be honest. No, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> that's my that's my short answer is no, uh, because I don't want you know I don't you know it's funny because when I've been in this whole creative industry, a lot of 
creative people always reference creative people. They were saying, oh, you know, the works of X, Y, Z, or, you know, that person's a great designer. Um, you know, I acknowledge artists and I acknowledge designers for who they are because, you know, it's, it's a, it is a talent to do that, okay? Right. But when I think of creativity and artists and inspiration for me, it hasn't actually been a designer necessarily. It's been all the things that I've culturally looked at or culturally been brought up with. I'm talking your Michael Jacksons, you know, I'm talking like, yeah. you know, he's a massive inspiration for me from music to artistry to everything of who he was as an individual. He's a massive influence on me. Um, then I might have, you know, I, then I have musicians then I have like, um, great writers who uh, write um, spirituality books or something, for example, you know, like I've got inspirations in so many different areas, actually apart from the area of creativity, which is actually ironic, but that is, that is the way it is, you know, like I don't see, there's not one necessarily one person, there might be a range of people, but there's not one that, you know, I, I said, oh, I want to be like this person, you know, even your Steve Jobs, you know, at the same time, what a great person as a, you know, great inventor, you know, yeah. but as a person, you know, he still suffered with mental health problems, you mm. know, you know, his right. these kind of problems. So no, I wouldn't take someone like that as a role model, you know, I'd, I'd not be like their, be inspiration, but I wouldn't want to be like them. Right. It's, it's good to keep challenging yourself, you know, trying to become the best version of yourself instead every single day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Chase, I want to take your attention back to the discipline of mental health. You know, globally, 450 million people suffer from mental ill health. And one third of people with mental health disorder have never sought treatment. I want to understand and your perspective, Chase. Why is it that people don't seek out help? It comes back to quite a few different points. Okay, One is, you know, if I'm very honest, it's the ego. Okay, it's the ego element of us that whether it be defined from a cultural perspective, you know, how we've been brought up that, you know, I need to take everything on myself and I can handle things, you know, because I'm the man of the house or I'm the rock on the foundation. So no one can see my weakness is sometimes the mentality a lot of people have. Okay, and showing weakness, you know, or showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness for a lot of people and a lot of cultures. The reason also people don't seek help is because, you know, it's embarrassing, you know, for to admit that you have a problem or you're going through something. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I went through a phase um, in my very early 20s where I was, I felt I was, I think I was in major depression. Um, you know, I didn't want to do anything. I was, I felt, um, I felt feelings of suicide. I felt all these kind of emotions which now you look back and like wow that is that's crazy what I was doing and I went to a doctor um and I sat in the room with them and I felt like I was, I was dismissed from what I was saying it didn't seem real there was no kind of follow-up um now this is a number of years ago maybe things have changed but that actually put me off from ever going to anyone again to talk about it you know so my experience of that I didn't feel like I had much um you know kind of closure or any kind of you know steps forward of how to work through it whereas now i think things have changed a lot of people have evolved the education has evolved you know um, and sometimes you don't necessarily need someone to tell you how to get through it whereas there's a lot of steps that people um you know there's a lot of things happening today and there's a lot of programs that people are doing for you to become more empowered as an individual release your emotions in the way you want by even simply journaling for example journaling is a great tool for people who might write you know if you're not going to tell someone write it down in a book um at least it's getting outside your head you know because sometimes these thoughts these thoughts trigger the emotion so sometimes if you're not releasing them they'll create these stories in your head and you think the stories are real where we're the only species in the world which actually have these kind of thoughts you know, we're the only ones who think about the future, you know, and we create the stress in moments, whereas an animal doesn't create a stress. An animal doesn't sit around in the wilderness thinking about what do I do next week? Well, you know, remember that experience last week? How's that affecting me? Oh, this person doesn't like me. So it's about acknowledging 
you know, like being aware of your thoughts in a great way, as I said, is try journaling. That that's a, it's a great tip. Um, if you're not going to reach out to people or start following people, whether it be social media, YouTube, um, that are inspiring you, like listen to podcasts, right. watch videos, watch, you know, follow people who resonate with you. You know, not everyone's always going to be 100 percent sure some people might have controversy some people might be you know like totally not in line with what you're about people might be totally in line with what you're in but you need to kind of find your crowd your sangat like yeah if you call yeah. it that it's like if you find your community it's not necessarily your who tribe you go, yeah it's not necessarily who you go to a temple with it's like on your daily basis who are you consuming information from that makes you feel uplifted fantastic uh, so it's all about bringing out that negative energy and probably channelizing it maybe through the form of a journal or writing it down so that the outflux has to be there maybe through emotions yeah. through yeah. peers talking to someone so once it's stuck up inside your head it creates a mess absolutely absolutely and that's why you think about some of the greatest songwriters you know some of the greatest artists it's all expression okay so it's all coming from a feeling it's all coming from a, a realness you know without that experience in your life you're not i mean when we're talking about creativity that's a great start you know without experience or inspiration you know whatever you're creating needs to have some kind of meaning you know so right. having having meaning in what you do comes from your experience and the kind of you know your experience and wisdom that you have in your life fantastic jess moving ahead i want to talk to you about meditation so what is meditation for you and you know for someone who's working in a corporate world how do they add productivity in their lives through meditation okay so meditation in simple terms for me is the same way you have a bath and you have a shower every day is the same thing you would do for your mind is you wake up whether it's 3 minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes it's a centering it's a cleansing you're letting any kind of thoughts just dwindle away you reach a stillness and you feel more centered before you go out into a world before just waking up putting your clothes and rushing out right, right. When, you, when you're in a state of balance in your state of um you know when you're centered in your thoughts you know you got control of your thoughts you got in control with yourself your outcome right. is going to be a completely different way so when you're talking productivity you know if you start your day aggressively well guess what's going to happen in your day right if you start off calmly well guess what's going to happen in your day if someone comes aggressively to you you have the power to still remain calm okay and you probably calm him down <laughs> exactly exactly so you know when we're talking about productivity we might just be talking about simple emotions but productivity and creativity are linked to meditation as well because when you're um when your when your frequencies are at a higher state okay we're talking your deltas your alpha states okay when you're vibrating at a higher state you're you have more access to a wealth of information from the subconscious okay so the subconscious has a, a wealth of information you can tap into it at any time most people don't know how to because they're living a beta state which is very much a 3d state of consciousness which just means what is what what is happening around us is that's all that's happening but and they can't believe that more can happen okay so i know that can get a bit deep and you know i apologize to anyone who just listened and probably just got really confused but you know with with when we're talking about meditation it's we're changing our vibration we're changing our thoughts when you hear the things like law of attraction and you're talk hearing all these kind of terms and people are like oh how do i attract certain things how do i get this positive positive vibes and all this kind of stuff is you need to start learning to raise your vibration and this only comes when you start getting into a different state in your inner state your inner state needs to be one of gratitude it needs to be one of a higher vibration stillness balance um and you shouldn't be like having this rage you shouldn't have this upset this fear because using that is never productive it's never it's like you know especially with the environment we're in right now there's a lot of fear there's a lot of you know people wondering what's happening in the future but the future hasn't yeah. happened yet also happened okay? yeah. so you're you're still worrying about something that doesn't exist okay so the only time you have is right now so when you meditate or if you start practicing mindfulness it centers you to the present 
You know, I walk, I take a walk every single day. And this can be something if people are walking to work. You know, this is a tip. When people walk to work, a great way of mindfulness. Mindfulness is not this woo-woo thing. You need to sit and meditate and you have to do certain practice. Mindfulness is when you can walk to work and you spot out the color purple and you're going to notice everything that you saw was the color purple on the way to the station or whether to work. And when you start practicing this, you start to notice that, hey, I didn't realize that was there before. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was there before. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that bird has a little bit of purple on its, you know, its chest or its wing. And when you start practicing little things like that, or you start realizing that the tree has always been there, you know, you realize the tree that's outside your house has always been there. But did you ever acknowledge there was a tree there? You know, ah, in the first place. Yeah, so it's it's becoming more aware of like little things, and the more you practice your outer, you know, becoming aware of the outer things, you know, it naturally then goes in. So you're able to wow. then put a buffer where someone says something to you to upset you, and the natural thing is to obviously react. But you have this period; you're opening this buffer period where someone says something to you, and before you react, it might be seconds. You know, but it feels like you've got an expanded space in your head. But that that thought came in, okay, the voice came in, and they said, I don't like you. Your reaction is, well, I don't like you. But the buffer period will say, I don't like you. And in that period, in the silence, will say, well, that's just his opinion. Do yeah. you like yourself? I like myself. So who's got the issue? Well, he's got the issue. It's that, so it's that conversation you end up having. Okay, so when you react... You're just like, okay, I choose love. You know, I'm not choosing to fight you with your own, your fears and your own anger. You know, I'm, I'm happy to walk away with this. You know, I'm, I'm, it's your issue, your drama. But when you can get to a state like that, that's like peace. Then you're in peace, you know. And that's such a beautiful way to live life, Chase, because these are such, because these small tweaks can add so much positivity to our lives, you know. And uh, this is something which is, no one's going to teach you in school or in colleges. <laughs> you got to experience it. you, you got to talk to, you know, mentors and people like you probably to understand how you can make your lives and elevate that to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Chase, uh, how do you then define mindfulness? You know, because meditation, mindfulness, they seem like synonyms. And people take the, these two things in the same perspective a lot of times. So is it really different or is it part of the same tree? And okay. how does one practice mindfulness? Okay, so just so we're clear, so the listeners understand, is meditation, there are thousands of types of meditation, okay? Meditation can be by sitting in stillness. It could be by doing a mantra. It could be by chanting. It could be a breath meditation. It could be awareness meditation. There's so many layers of meditation and under all of them categories, there's probably multiple different categories. You know, there's different mantras, there's different ways to chant, there's different experiences you will have, okay? Now, meditation, as I said, apart from all the benefits of trying to balance you and, you know, um, giving you like, I mean, apart from all the physical uh, and, and great things it does for your body in terms of endorphins and relaxing you and um, bringing down the stress, okay, Meditation is great, but sometimes it takes a bit of a journey for you to become a great meditator. Okay, someone who can sit there for hours and not be disturbed by something. You know, that's yeah. that that takes practice. That takes time. Um, and you know, there are meditations you can do within two three minutes. That's fine as well. You have guided meditations, which you just go to sleep and someone talks and you just go on the voice journey. Okay. Now, all of these meditations are there to help you. Um, release a lot of unconscious thoughts so imagine that when your unconscious fills up what happens it spills into your conscious state so that's why we walk around with so much anger and so much of a clustered mind is because we're never emptying the cup from the unconscious okay now meditation has all them benefits with mindfulness it's an awareness okay you get awareness from meditation but mindfulness for me and i'm sure there's so many different ways to interpret it but when I've practiced more mindfulness, it's more you're mindful of every action you take. You're more mindful of how you buy, how you eat, how you speak, how you feel, 
how the world is, you know, like you start looking at the eyes. So you start looking at the world with new eyes, like someone's just switched the filter on your your eyes or your lens, you know. So you're looking at it. Hey, I didn't realize it was um, that color before. And now it's got a sepia tone or something, you know, like you, you can do whatever you want. It's like, like falling <laughs> in love, you know. You it start experiencing the magic of the sun, the rain, the snow. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, like what's, what the sad part is, is when you hear mindfulness, I'm grateful that in the last, again, probably 10 years or seven years, there's been an increase of awareness worldwide. Okay. So it needs, it needs that attention. When yoga goes to the West, it's great that everyone gets the awareness of yoga, but what they forget is the spiritual wisdom connected to that. They always forget that part. Okay. Now, the spiritual wisdom, which we need to remember is this mindfulness and this meditation. Okay. Now with mindfulness is literally just being aware of your yourself. And when you're aware of yourself, you become more aware of others. You know, because if you can't haven't helped yourself, you won't be able to help others. Okay. Right. And when you're aware of others, then you're aware of your um, surroundings. You're aware of the world, the world, you're aware of the buildings, the trees, and the economical structure of everything. You know, then you can connect to the planets and, and you keep on going out and out and out, you know. But none of this can be done unless you actually explore yourself and how you feel right uh, since chase you talked about uh, something which i picked from what you just said that even a prayer is also kind of a meditation right so there are a lot of religions who have a set prayer defined and people across the world they follow some sort of prayer on a daily basis at the same time people do create their own prayers a prayer could also be a kind of an affirmation which you say on a daily basis so uh, what's your take or perspective on the power of prayers in our lives it's powerful okay so with prayer there's a few perspectives and they're all they're all intertwined in how i how i experience prayer one is firstly the whole bringing the hands together the palms together people might think that's symbolic it's actually bringing both hemispheres of the brain together okay so when you bring each palm together your body and mind are connecting in a in a new way. Okay, so it's not just symbolic that you put your pr- hands together. It's actually there's a reason why hands are put together for prayer. Second part is is with prayer is comes from intention, and the highest intention and the most energy you can resonate is from the heart. People never do a prayer with the mind necessarily. There are people who do that, but I'll talk about that in a moment. Now, when you do a prayer and you're you're speaking to whoever you are connected to, you know, sometimes we feel we're connected to the universal uh, force, God, whatever you might connect or resonate the name with. You know, when you're talking to this energy or this divine force, okay, it comes from a vibration, okay? Now, there's several factors in the prayer where, when what you think more about is what can be perceived and will you you will receive okay yeah when you have laser focus um you know if you have a laser focus of what you want in life you will achieve you will attract it because that's all you see and that's the energy you put out in the world so sometimes you're just actually putting out that energy in the world and you've asked that prayer so many times you're asking you're asking and you're asking and you're wondering when will it show up and sometimes things do show up, you know, and sometimes they don't show up because when they were about to come, you let you gave up on faith. You gave up just about, you know, just when the grass, you know, the seed was about to sprout through the ground, the first blade of grass was about to come up. And you said, no, it's not going to work. And then it went, oh, OK, it won't work. OK, so, you know, it's also the power of the mind, what you're what you're thinking about. Now, where prayer is. um you know, where prayer can get complicated is when you're praying for things, okay? So when you're praying for things, essentially you're praying for something that's going to give you happiness. You're praying for something to give you happiness, right? These things are all external. These things are just expectations. So when you reach them and you didn't get the happiness, what's the next thing that you're going to want to have to bring you happiness? So a prayer should never always be about, you know, I pray that, 
you know, I have this car by the end of this year. I pray that, you know, my son and daughter becomes a doctor. I pray that, you know, yeah. you know all of these kind of prayers, they're very selfish Correct. prayers. These are the selfish prayers, whereas a prayer that comes from the heart and is for humanity, prayer that people get through the difficulties they're in, pray. You can ask for things, but don't forget to be grateful for what you've got. I'm grateful for you know, having my hands, I'm grateful for having my voice, I'm grateful for the food I eat, I'm grateful for the car I already have. It would be great if I had a better car. There's a different, there's a completely different vibration there, okay? When you're always right. in that want, 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 you know, you're always going towards the journey of suffering because you're always wanting something which will never come. When if it, do, if it doesn't come, then you'll be upset. Then you start blaming God and you start blaming this outside entity for all the things that you haven't got. Whereas if you ask if you're doing a prayer for inner peace and contentment, guess what? That's going to show up because it's something that's connected to you. It's coming from your heart. And that intention, that vibration is a million times, you know, more expansive and stronger than just always asking for selfish reasons. Absolutely. That's a very interesting insight, Chess. And <laughs> what I've understood is that prayer is not a barter system. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a very powerful tool if you wish to seek a change for the better in the society. Uh, so, Chase, you're doing so many things, so many beautiful things in life, and you've been working hard for bringing a change in communities also. So, what's your purpose in life? What's that one big picture you're looking up to in your life? I think when I when I think about my purpose now, it's it's one of those big questions people ask themselves. They ask others, you know, it's big, you know, trending topic. Or hey, you know, find purpose, you know, all this kind of stuff. Purpose for me is things that I I like doing naturally, and I enjoy doing it, which actually can help someone else, or it can help me and help others. You know, so for me, if I can create something to help others. I, I found my purpose, and whether that be helping people learn to meditate, that's purposeful for me. If it's helping people to, you know, um, with education, is great for me. You know, I find giving things to people or find helping them get perspective and awareness and connect to themselves more rewarding than anything else. That's just a personal thing. So my purpose is always try to push people and stretch people's minds to what is possible. Right, so bringing out the best from the others. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Chess. So as we proceed towards the last segment of the podcast with you, here's what I call the one-minute round. I'm going to give you a minute each to answer <laughs> these questions. So uh, what success means to you? Leaving a legacy and inspiring others. One book which you recommend everyone should read and why? A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. I'll tell you why, because... It gives you a good definition and a good exploration about how we are our ego, how we are defined as an individual, how we think we are. We're not who we think we are. You know, we're layers of these different things that have made us who we are. And when you remove all of them layers, you start to question, who am I? So it's a great book to read. I always recommend that one. What's happiness for you? Contentment. Contentment in everything you do whether you have a big house or a small house, big car or small small car, you need to see the joys of everything that you have all the time. Okay, sometimes you have goals, we have aspirations, but you know, if you're looking for that again for your happiness, if you're looking for having the big house for your happiness, that's not contentment. So contentment in every little opportunity and experience I have in life is I think is happiness for me. The last line of your autobiography would read <laughs> what was what's the answer not the question wow okay you're standing in the room you're the only person in that room chairs the lights are dim after a minute there's this young version of chase that walks into that room he stands in front of you he looks into your eyes and very sincerely he asks you this What's the best way to live life? So what would you say to this younger version of Chase? I would say just live it. Just live it full. 
explore different countries, different cultures, explore yourself. Never, ever believe that you are not good enough for anything. Never believe that because of what people might think you are or who you are and say you are, is that should never become your reality. So if you are strong in who you are, you never have to worry about what the world thinks of you. As long as you think what you're doing is the best thing that you can be doing for yourself and others. That's very powerful, Chase. And I want to thank you for doing this podcast with us today. It's been such a sheer privilege talking to you, learning from you. And I feel I'm a bit more creative today than I was when <laughs> I started my day. So thank you for taking time out. And I wish you all the best for your upcoming book launch. I'm sure it's going to create ripples. It's going to bring a change for the positive in the society. And it will surely address the big issues which are close to your heart. Thank you, Hermit. Thank so you. So Chase, uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Okay, so you can always reach me via my website, um, you know, www.chazfly.com, that's C-H-A-Z-F-L-I-Y.com. Or generally, you can catch me on my Instagram, at chazfly. My Twitter is fly. Facebook forward slash um, is chazfly. Yeah, always catch me anywhere is chazfly. Amazing. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, Hermit. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Hermit. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on hermitspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.